The NBA free agency starts tomorrow, and the Rockets are making a lot of moves. Looks like they want to get Fred Van Fleet, Dylan Brooks, and Brooke Lopez. So we're going to be talking all things Rockets free agency. We're going to see what makes sense for the Rockets. We're going to see if you know Kyrie Irving or Kyle Kuzma are guys that are potentially in play. We got a lot of topics to discuss, so y'all tune in for this episode of the Brad and Will Show. You're definitely not going to miss it. All right, welcome to another episode of the Brad and Will Show. I'm your first host, Will. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bias Houston. I'm going to quickly shout out the Brad and Will page on Instagram, TikTok, uh, and Twitter. And obviously on YouTube, you guys helped us hit 1,000 subscribers this week, so we really appreciate that. And all the support you guys have been showing us on that front. Continue to like, comment, and subscribe. And I'll pass it off to Brad. As Will said, continue to like, comment, subscribe. We really appreciate it. going to try to hit 2K soon, one of these days. But as always, y'all know where to find me, at BradoNBA, Instagram, Twitter, all your favorite stats, highlights, news, updates. I got you guys covered 24-7. Today's episode, again, we're going to be talking free agency. We got our guy, J-Dub, on the show. He's always with us in the Rocket Spaces. He's been on one of these episodes before, so it's great to have you back. And for the people who don't know who you are, go ahead and plug your stuff so they know where to find you. Well, how y'all doing? I'm J-Dub um, on Twitter, at the mind of J-Dub. Um, I'm not Nelly right now. I just got cut um, <laughs> playing basketball. But yeah, uh, I'm pretty um frequent person in the rockets community uh, i don't do any content yet uh by the time of next season i'll actually be doing a sports and rocket streaming on twitch so y'all look out for that um but yeah i'm just uh here to talk rockets basketball love being on on this show it's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to yeah you know we need to go ahead and you know while we're here while we get everybody listening i forgot i should do this on the last episode we got to plug the um the watch party that's going to be taking place uh ne- next friday july 7th uh, bombshells it's on my twitter account if you want to pull up to rockets watch part we've been watching the rockets and the trailblazers in summer league um so yeah like i said y'all saw those those um videos on on, on twitter instagram about the the draft watch party man you're not going to miss out on opportunities like this so looking forward to seeing how you guys pull up to that but uh yeah like brad said today we're talking about free agency uh, and there's a lot to talk about this is probably the first time um since you know i started making rockets content that we can actually talk about um free agency and trying to be competitive and win basketball games um but before we even jump into like anything rockets free agency related, i guess it's kind of loosely rockets free agency related james harden put in a trade request um and that kind of came out of left field um no one saw that one come at least i i know i didn't um i was actually about to go take a nap when that notification hit my phone and i and Jada, i know you were actually asleep when that notification hit so uh yeah Jada, what was your initial reaction to that trade and you know what i'm gonna start the trade request and then you know what do you think is going to happen with that so initially when I woke up, uh, I saw that he had made the decision on this player option, which I knew was going to happen by 4 p.m. Central Time. Um, and I was kind of in a daze, but then I saw the actual portion of the trade. Um, I was a little surprised, but not shocked. Um, I didn't get the vibes that he actually wanted to stay. Um, he was pretty unhappy, um, similar to a woman in a relationship sometimes. He will express his unhappiness in different ways. And there was really no market for him to really get the money that he wanted to get uh, the money on an outright free agency without the Rockets playing ball, um, making a competitive offer. Nobody else really had the cap space. So this probably was the smartest path. I cannot say that I was expecting it, um, but I'm not shocked. I, I, we've been through the James Harden thing before, and this is, just, this is how he moves. What do you think, Brad? 
Yeah, it, James Harden again. It's, it's just crazy looking at the situation. You see, he requests a trade from from Houston. Uh, 2021, 2022, he requested a trade from Brooklyn. And now in 2023, we got him requesting a trade from you know, the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's crazy to me. Uh, I hate to see him hopping from team to team to team like this. I did enjoy his legacy in Houston. But now it's just looking like, man, you got to get a ring at this point, dude. Like, you got to figure out a way to, to pull it together. It's looking like he, he might go to the Clippers. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think a Suns um, team with James Harden would be insane. Uh, if you look back three years ago, you're looking at the best three shooting guards in the league. James Harden, Bradley Bill, Doug Booker. That's crazy. Team. It's like, what are we doing with this? And you just throw KD in the mix. And like, what kind of what kind of super team is this? So I'll be interested to see that just from a, a basketball standpoint. They'd be off limits in 2K, I know. But <laughs> that'd be interesting to see. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but from a Rocket standpoint, it looks like Ime Udoka wasn't really interested in bringing a guy in like James Harden. Uh, the, the interest was really the entire season when Roach uh, mentioned it on Christmas for the first time. Uh, but, you know, longer than two years, it's not going with this Rockets timeline. We want to keep it short and keep the timeline in a in the right in the right in the right direction for the future of, the, uh, of this franchise. So I understand the move. Uh, I'm interested to see where he goes. I'm guessing the Clippers. But what about you? Will? Yeah, I, I actually heard that the the Heat are in, in play a little bit here too. I think that's a that's pretty nice. good team if if they. Uh, I know they're going to try to target Damian earlier, but like if they can't get him, I think this is a nice pivot for them. Um, my initial thought is like, what does what is leaving Philly do for you if your goal is to win a championship, right? Because you're leaving an MVP. You're leaving the you're leaving Tyrese Maxey and say what you want about Tobias Harris. Like that's a that's a pretty good team. The Anthony Melton. Um, I thought Paul Reed. I think he's a free agent this summer, uh, but he's another guy who was who was really good um, for that team. But that's a solid squad, and you could obviously point to to James Harden and Joel Embiid kind of underperforming is a reason for why they didn't go all the way this year. Um, and so I'm kind of just like, if you're trying to go, you know, for greener pastures, cause that's kind of why you would leave a, a situation like Houston or a situation like Brooklyn's to go find, you know, a better situation. I don't know if there's that many better situations out there for James Harden than that team. I know that the Clippers, you touched on Brad, uh, you know, teaming up with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, obviously that's, you know, Kawhi when he's healthy is a, arguably top five guy in the league. Paul George's another, you know, arguably top 10, 15 guy when he's healthy. But the biggest problem for me is those guys are like never healthy, you know? So uh, you're going somewhere where your two co-stars um, may not even play. Um, that's kind of the, the reason why you left Brooklyn in the first place is because Katie and Kyrie kept getting hurt. So uh, I don't know how much that makes sense. Um, I do like Miami for him. Um, of the teams that have been ballistics, I, I think this team is going to be able to stay healthy. Uh, with James, uh, with Jimmy Butler, Bam, you probably would get to keep. You, you don't think they can stay healthy, Jed? Up? I, I don't know if I like Miami. Uh, and the only reason I don't know is because um, at this point, we don't know what Harden wants. And I think that's that's the elephant in the room. What exactly do you want? There are yeah. no guaranteed championships. Nowhere where you go do you mm -hmm. automatically get a championship. You have to work for it. Um, the best thing you can do is go to a team to put you in the best situation. And I think that he's actually kind of had that in Philly, even though it didn't work out. Everything doesn't happen in one year or two years. Sometimes it takes time. Um, I think Miami has a culture there uh, of accountability, of selflessness, um, and nobody really tries to overshadow anybody else. And I'm not really sure what Harton does in that moment. And I also think uh, even though they feel short in the finals, players on, my, on Miami really step up. Um, they don't hide in the shadows. Everybody from um, the best player on the team to the man on the bench, they step up when it matters. Nobody hides behind the lights. And I'm not trying to, like, um, be shady to uh, Harden, but I do have concerns about that. I think he kind of obstructs that culture. Um, 
I think that the Clippers might be the best shot. I also saw the Knicks on the list. Um, and the only reason I put the Knicks as a viable option is I don't know what Harden wants, right? You are going to get the bright lights, the adorations. He's really big on his um, off-the-court fashions and brands. I don't know what he wants. And so I don't really know what a good landing spot is for James Harden at this point. I, if you want me to tell the truth, the best landing spot of the, uh, the options is Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, and I agree. That's the tough part, so. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was, larger point I was trying to make is I, I think Miami is a, is a solid spot for him. But I think if your goal is to win the championship, his best bet is where he's at. Um, and he said he doesn't want to be there. So that's what that's what made it so kind of, kind of confusing for me. It's like I would get it if you're like trying to jump ship to a team where it's like, OK, this is going to be an even easier path to a championship for me. I think it only gets harder for him um, if he leaves. But I, I think the the uh, just as interesting, if not more interesting aspect of it is what does Philly do um, without James Harden? Because now uh, you're in a situation where you don't have leverage. Right. James Harden's going to pick what team he plays for next season. It's not it's not a situation where. Uh, they're going to trade James Harden and receive equal value for him. You're going to, quote, unquote, lose that trade. Um, and so, you know, and I, I think that they needed James Harden to even get to where they were now. So you you, you remove that guy, you don't replace him with uh, adequate value. I don't see how that team is a legit contender next year. I don't think Joel Embiid plus Tyrese Maxey plus whatever ancillary pieces you get from this James Harden trade is enough to compete um, in the East, let alone with, the you know, the reigning champs in the West, right? So, um does Joel Embiid ask out? Is that, is that the next domino that's going to fall? Is he going to put a trade request in? Is he going to say, um, you know, trade me to a different team? And if so, like, what teams are going to – I think that's going to be uh, – uh, that's going to, like, shake the league up. If he puts – if the MVP puts a trade request in, I think we're going to see a lot of teams, uh, you know, scour to put whatever assets they have together to try to go after him. So it's going to be interesting to see what team um, Joel Embiid potentially plays for next season if he does indeed put a trade request in. Um, but, yeah, man, that's – oh, I, one more thing I want to bring up to – uh, was Woj did bring, I think Brad kind of touched on it a little bit, Woj in his article um, describing the trade, he brought up this quote. He says, Harden had an interest in a reunion with the Rockets who were flushed with $64 million in salary cap space, but the guard focus has been increasingly on pursuing Toronto Raptors free agent Fred and Bleed sources said. Um, so that sounds to me like we kind of told that man no. Like we, we kind of drove, we set our price and it wasn't there and we're, we're shifting on to Fred and Bleed. So um, unless anybody else want to talk about with James Harden, you can go on right into the jump of the Fred Van Vliet conversation. Yeah, before I jump into the Fred Van Vliet conversation, I wanted to say one last thing with James Harden. You know, say you know he's getting traded, and let's say um, Joel Embiid gets traded. Then what happens with Daryl Morey, a guy who he wanted to, to you know be the, the GM of a good team, and now it just all fell apart. So I don't even know if he sticks around for that equation. Or, or Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse just signed there, right? Yeah, signed some, there, somebody, somebody in the space pointed out he might be getting Stephen Silas right now, where he, he thinks he's coming to the coach. You know, so and so, and that's not what it was looking like. That's the only reason why I was also kind of confused. I thought his best bet was Milwaukee. I, I would have went and coached Giannis if, if I was him. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anybody say anything? We'll talk about that. We can keep it moving. Yeah, yeah. I'll say this about Fair Bay Fleet, you know, um, and then kick it off to J Dub. Again, a lot of the fan base, you know, you see a max at Fred Van Fleet and you, you're obviously going to be like, well, why are they throwing this guy this much money? He's not max money, you know, caliber kind of guy. Um, but when it comes to the Houston Rockets and my vision of what they're trying to do, I know they're trying to bring in championship experience type players, guys with leadership, um, solid defense, and especially for the point guard position, really good playmaking. So sometimes you got to overpay for a guy like that. And I see the vision. I wouldn't necessarily throw a max at Fred Van Fleet, but I understand why they're doing it. If they have to do that, to get Fred Van Fleet, I'm personally on board with it because it's only a two-year contract and it's not going to hurt the Rockets long-term. They're still going to be able to sign their guys to an extension. They're still going to be able to give Amin Thompson the keys by year three. 
um, it's, it's something I'm ultimately okay with. This, some some stats on Fred Van Fleet. This guy is one of the best at taking care of the ball, facilitating the rock in the league. Even though the numbers aren't just like 10 assists, 9 assists. He has an elite assist to turnover ratio if you look at his career. I want to say the average is 5.3 assists to 1.7 uh, turnovers. This past season, he averaged 7.2 assists, only averaged two turnovers. If you want to look at a metric from basketball index, fourth best in the NBA passing efficiency. Only guys better than him? No, I lied to you guys. He was third best in the NBA in passing efficiency. The only two that are better than him were CP3 and Tyrese Halliburton, two elite playmakers. So you bring that guy into a Rockets you know, system who was last in the league in assists and last in the league in turnovers, it's going to make a big difference. You're going to look at his shooting numbers from last year and say, oh, Brad, he can't shoot. He shot 39% from the field. Yeah, bad finisher last season. I totally agree. Last season was a down shooting year. But outside of that, Fred Van Fleet is a good volume three-point shooter. And hopefully he can get back on track next season if the Rockets get him. But ultimately, I'm okay with a two-year deal. I'm a two-year match with Fred Van Vliet. It's going to raise the floor of this team by a lot. That's what I had to say about that. What about you, Doug? Um, so he's not my favorite player in the league. Um, I, I can't say that like this is a guy who I'm getting to get, but I also think that like that's not the game when you talk about free agency. Um, and first, let me say this is a very rare situation for the Rockets that we actually have a lot of cap space, not only the, uh, a lot, but the most in the league. I think the game is different. Um, I think when you actually like look at it in football terms, when you have a rookie quarterback, you're supposed to spend while he's on that rookie deal. And I think the Rockets are in a unique situation where most of our guys are on rookie deals and we have a lot of cap space. Due to that, for two years, I don't really care how much money a player gets. Um, I don't think that the Rockets really are bidding against anybody unless Toronto's uh, offering a four-year deal for near similar money. Then at that point, I understand why you have to max him out for two years. And for that, to be honest with you, I would be okay. Do I think in a vacuum he's worth a max deal? No, I do not. But do I think he actually brings the intangibles that you want? Possibly, right? I do think that he is uh, going to be the adult in the room. Um, I think, I believe he's a leader. Again, those are the things that you don't know um, from from a writer standpoint or analyst standpoint. They believe that he is. From a fan standpoint, they're a little bit on the fence. And it's one of those things that on a lot of players you won't know until he gets here. But I think what he does on court, um, he has the ability to play the point guard or play off of the point guard as he did with Kyle Lowry when they won a championship. Um, he takes care of the ball, as Brad said, uh, which is something if you've been watching the Rockets, it's pretty important. We don't take care of the ball at all. Um, I think that he has pretty good shooting stats from a three-point perspective, even though it may not be the most efficient. Um, he actually is a threat from there. Um, he does not have an overwhelming personality that's going to try to overtake um, the future stars of his team. And I also think even though his rim finishing isn't great, he does have a really good penchant of getting to the lane and getting good dump ball passes um, to your five, your four, and even kicking out to your three and your two. I'm actually okay with him coming. Um, if he got to a spot where the contract is longer than two years, well, then I have a little bit of concern because I'm not sure how uh, point guards – that size, age, and I also have a little bit of concern about the the shooting slump. But I think if you take away from that, I think he can be very valuable. I think him um, next to Amin Thompson, and I don't mean next to him on the court like in a starting lineup, but like learning from a veteran who does have that experience. I do think championship experience matters. Playoff experience matters. Um, he can show him a lot of the things uh, along the ropes, and he can t- teach him how to run an offense. As much as we love uh, Amin Thompson, he ran an offense in overtime elite. Right. Uh, a team, uh, a league that only has what I think six teams. And a lot of those guys are really young. That's completely different than running a, a team full of adults who are established and uh, who have higher talent. So I'm pretty in favor of him signing as long as it's a two year deal. I, I prefer to not be a max. 
Uh, I'm fine with anything in the low 30s to the mid 30s, but if we have to max them out just to get them, I'm kind of okay with it as long as it does not obstruct you from getting whoever else you need. I think that um, I, I've become somewhat of like the poster boy for like Fred hate, and I don't, I don't, I, I think that's the wrong, <laughs> the wrong label to give me. I don't hate Fred. Um, the where I lie on the equation, I, I don't, I don't disagree with anything that Brad and Jada just said. Like I, I don't, I don't think that they are wrong. Um, where I, where I'm with it, um, one, I think that, I think Fred is being labeled and I say being labeled, I, I think by people who, who are talking about it, I think we're labeling him someone who he's not. I hear people say he's like an elite playmaker and elite defender. Um, and he's like, you know, the, the world's, uh, you know, best leader. And I, I think that he's, I think that he's not elite. I think he's a, I think he's a solid playmaker. Like Brad said, he takes care of the ball to turn it over, but I don't think he's out there you know, making the advanced high level reads that you would see from James Harden or Chris Paul. Like that's, that's not who he is. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, not, that's not who he is. Right. Uh, people say he's like an elite defender and somebody, I think said it yesterday in his space. I think he's, he's in that same mode of like the, the Jalen Browns and the, the another guy, I don't know, but the guys who they call them reputation defenders, right. Guys who were good defenders at one point in time, and then because how good they were, they just get that level for the rest of the career. And like Jalen Brown's a good defender, but he's not the elite, like all NBA defender he's described it. I mean, people, I, people, I've heard people describe Fred as like an elite POA defender or like an elite guard defender. And I don't think that's who he is. I think he's a good defender. I think he's going to be someone who like, I think he can definitely fit within Yudoka's scheme defensively. And I think he's someone that, you know, when you pair it next to a guy like Jalen Green, who, um, man, that'd be the world's best defender at this point in time. Like, yeah, we, we could, we could use that in the backcourt with Jalen. But I don't think he's elite. I don't think he's an all NBA defender. I don't think he's the the the, the world's best, you know, guard defender um in the NBA. Um so one I, and then on top of that, the guy I don't look at like if you're someone who's convinced yourself on Fred Van Vliet, don't look at any of his numbers inside the three-point arc because they're not good. Um they're they're really bad. So I think he's also he's really good at shooting threes, but once you step inside the arc, it's not not so much. Um and so I think that I think part of my issue is. Um, I think people are kind of mislabeling him as someone who he's not. I don't think he's the the point guard people think he is. Um, and then, too, I think we're about to pay him a lot of money to be somebody who he's not. And I think that there are uh, for, for what he actually is and what we're going to be asking him to do. I think my my pre preference is just my preference, not what I you know, what I think is going to happen or what is going to happen. But my preference is that they would spend they would save that money and go out there and get another guy. Um, I, at this point, his name's been kind of run into the mud, but Monte Morris, they, his reports today come out, he's worth a couple of second round picks. And I feel like that's somebody, same thing with, um, with Fred, he's a five to one, it's a turnover ratio. So he's going to take care of the ball. Um, unlike Fred, he is efficient, right? I think he shot like 38% from three, um, I think 48, 47% from the field, uh, this last season. So he can take care of the ball. Um, I think he's a table setter. I think he's someone who. Um, you could, you know, I, I think the, I think one of the biggest appeals of Amante Morris is that, um, I'm a Thompson is going to be very raw and I don't expect him to play that many minutes off the rips, but in the world where I'm Thompson is ready or a bit more ahead of schedule, you can just move Monte Morris to the bench, right? You resign him. Um, he's making $9 million a year. You resign that guy. That's your backup point guard for the next three, four years. And he's going to, you know, he's what 27, 28 right now. So he's not going to age out anywhere. Um, that's somebody who can be a, a quality contributor um on your team for years to come um and like i said i think that you can you can move into that bench if Amon thompson's ready i know the counter to that is 
well, Fred and Amon Thompson can play together. You can play Amon at the three and Fred at the one. Um, but then you're talking about paying, you know, 40 million or, you know, close to a max to use him as a shooting guard. And and I think that that's I, I don't think that's what you're paying him. I think you're paying for the point guard play, not for the shooting guard play. And if you're paying that much for a shooting guard, like there's other options. I, I think you have um, I know it's going to sound crazy. I think you have somebody in Kevin Porter Jr. who um, we, we all know what he can what he can provide to a team off ball. And he's making 16 million next year. Right. So um, that was just my my spiel with it. Uh, but like I said, it's it's not the end of the world. Like I, I, I matter of fact, if I was a betting man, I think that Fred is going to be my starting point guard next season. Um, and it's it's like it's nothing the way. It's just two years. Um, Amin's gonna be really raw, and he's he's gonna learn a lot from playing from behind Fred. Um, and so yeah, having having that guy kind of bridge the gap between um, you know the the current Rockets who you know are under directive from Udoke and probably Tillman to to go out there and make a a, a real push for the playoffs, and then an Amin Thompson when you're looking at like your point guard of the future. So um, even though I would prefer that we don't sign Fred. Like I, I'm gonna be okay when that notification is my phone tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Does anybody have anything want to add on yeah, that? The only thing I want to push back against is I think he's a better defender than than we're giving him credit for. Um, I'm not the stats guy, but he's been the leader in deflections in the league since 2019. Um, he's been like top five, top six every single year, um, both in the regular season and playoffs. And unlike a lot of the guys on the, on that list, his deflections come from being an on-ball defender rather than a passing lane. Um, I think one thing this Rockets team can really improve on is on-ball defense. Um, if you watch the Rockets, um, they let guys just go by them a lot. And they let them have open threes. Um, one thing that I will say that he does, and uh, another player that I know you don't really care for, Dylan Brooks do, is they, they play really close on the actual um, players. And I think that sets a culture. And to get a point guard that really shows that, for example, um, I think Kevin Porter Jr., if he learned that, man, could be a really special player. If he just learns how to, like, you know, not give anything on any possession – they play pretty hard every possession. So I do think his defense is better than you give it credit for. And I also think as far as like the point guard shooting guard thing, it's not necessarily about you didn't pay him to do one or the other, but it's optionality. And I think that matters. And one thing the Rockets seem like they're going to be very good on, uh, I think Brad put out a stat, uh, between like the length that we have, we're going to be very switchable. And we have a lot of positional versatility outside of Shingun, who essentially is just going to be a center. Um, everybody else on the team has positional versatility, and I think that that really matters. It gives a new uh, coach. Just a valid point. Yeah, a new coach options. Um, it lets him have a lot of op- uh, lineup versatility, and I think that matters as he learns his way again. This is still Emay's what second year as a head coach. Number two. As, yeah, as he's learning, he's actually getting a lot of options. Whereas uh, I don't think Stephen Silas had as many options. So uh, I'm, I can't say that I'm in love with the signing, but I'm okay. He's probably the yeah. first, second best point point guard on the market. So go ahead. Yeah, I, I I think that's exactly where I'm. It's just I don't love it, but like I'm not gonna be mad. I and I we're gonna talk about another guy. You kind of tend to somebody who I don't get. I get the vision. Like I I understand why you go out there and get a Fred VanVleet. It makes sense. Um, it's just two years, right? So even if he is, uh, even if he does underperform a little bit, you're not you know giving him you know a lot of money for a really long time. Like worst case scenario, you gotta find a way to get off him this off season, right? Um, so no, I I agree with. I don't like. I don't disagree with anything you just said. Yeah, and we can we can go to the Dylan Brooks front now. You might as well. Um, we had that on the list of topics. So just talking about you know Dylan Brooks as as a next guy. Um, and Dub, you mentioned it. You know, having a guy who's very physical on defense, you know, all up in the other guy's grill. That's what Fred Van going to do. That's definitely what Dylan Brooks is going to do. And for all my people listening in the live premiere and just just watching in general, uh, you're a Rockets fan. You don't want Dylan Brooks on the Rockets. Feel free to disagree with me. You most likely will. I have fully convinced myself. 
that I am okay with a Dylan Brooks signing. I'm very aware. And again, I don't want y'all to think I'm not aware of the downsides to this. You have Dylan Brooks, a guy who is a very bad shooter, uh, bad shot selection, terrible true shooting percentage. You got the antics, bad playoff performances. It's a lot. It's, it's definitely baggage there. He, he just, um, I mean, there was a report that said, hey, we don't want you back in Memphis. So he, he's obviously going elsewhere. But the positives and the vision that Coach Udoka wants, I definitely see those things. And I see the vision of, of making him um, a viable player for the Rockets, even offensively. But from a defensive standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, you have a guy who's second team all defense, uh, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. If we're going off basketball index, 100th percentile on perimeter defense, screen navigation, doing a whole bunch of different things. 100th percentile on matchup difficulty. That means he's all up in the other guy's grill and he's he's giving you elite defense. So that's, that's a guy, uh, again, versatility that you talked about. Um, that gives the Rockets a lot of uh, positionality. I got a little FaceTime, my apologies. My mother was calling me. I, I'm going to hit her back later. But when it comes to Jabari Smith Jr., that's a guy who's going to be able to guard a lot of positions. Dylan Brooks can guard a lot of positions. Fred Van Fleet, he's going to be playing good at the one. I, I like that. I like that, giving a lot of options. And we'll see what they do at center. It might be Brooke Lopez. So we'll see. I, I like it. Offensively, the three ball has got to be better. He shot 35% uh, plus on catch and shoot, which isn't the worst. It's definitely average. Um, but if, if he can if tone down the shot selection and not, and not make it, it's ridiculous, then, I, then I'm okay with it. Last thing I'll mention, Dylan Brooks was like, he wasn't happy with his role just being a 3 and D guy. He says he feels like he has more to his game than that. I personally don't think Dylan Brooks is a bad playmaker. No, I'm not, not a playmaker. But he, he's good at you – know, he's a good connector in my opinion. He, he has a little feel to his game. Hopefully he's talking about that, just not doing too much outside of that, maybe forcing shots. I don't need him forcing anything else that he was forcing last season in Memphis. You need him to calm down, be 3 and D, uh, maybe – be a little bit better of um, a playmaker at times in, as a, in a connector role. But that's about it. Dylan Brooks, I see the vision. It's like he's getting um, guys been saying me from around 14 to 16 a year annually. I think that sounds about right. I, I'm okay with that. Elite, perimeter defender. Um, it's going to set the tone. Um, Garnier, the team's best player. I get it. I get it. But I understand why y'all don't. And <laughs> tell me why you don't get it. Because I know you will. So um, I'll, I will be open. Um, I'm a Dylan Brooks hater. Uh, I have not liked him for two years. Um, ironically, in some ways, he is my style of player. I like agitators on my team. I like the Draymonds. I like the Patrick Beverly's and the Dennis Robbins. I like the guys who are going to do a little bit of the dirty work, um, and they're going to set a tone. I think setting a tone really matters. What makes me not really care for him as much is – I want if you're going to be that, be that. Don't pretend to be that, right? Um, and don't be performative. Um, and also own up to it, whether it works or it doesn't. Uh, I remember th there's a clip um, where Dennis Robin is getting cooked by um, Larry Bird, and he had talked a lot of noise about him. And you know what? After he got cooked, he had the same energy. Um, I, di I didn't like when Dil Dylan Brooks poked the bear with LeBron and got cooked and wouldn't do the interviews. That comes across to being a little bit performative to me. But I think one thing we have to be uh, open to is being wrong. Um, I did a lot of research with Grizzly fans, um, not just current, but like going back to the last few years. And they have a different feel than we do. Um, they think that he really kind of helped set the tone there. Um, if you know the Grizzlies, they're about grit. And they said he's the one who actually set that grit tone. Um, and I also think one thing that's very important, as Brad read off those stats, he's not just in the 100 percentile on defense, he's throwing it against the other team's best player. And that matters to me, especially when you have a lot of guys on our team 
who had the potential to be top tier defenders, such as Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, Cam Whitmore. It helps push them to that next level. And it's one thing to be told, but when you see it, it's different, right? So on a defensive perspective, I love it. I think he's going to be a guy who pushes them in practice. I think he's going to show them the way on the court. He's, I remember specifically in a couple of games where there were some switches where he got switched off of the best uh, offensive player and he demanded to get back on them. And so um, I think that that's the sort of tone that you need on a young team that really has to really show that like you have to earn everything that you need to get. It's the it's also the offense, right? I had not heard that statement that Brad said until he just said it uh, about him wanting to do more on offense. That makes me a little nervous. <laughs> he said um, that um, right like towards the end of the season. He was like, I want to do more. There's more to my game than just 3 and D. I was like, oh, my God. That makes me nervous because OG Ananobi said the same thing and got more opportunity and wasn't that good at it, right? Um, I, I understand what he's saying to an extent because he does kind of get camped out in the corner. If you watch um, Dylan Brooks with Memphis, there's a lot of him bent over with his hands open, being prepared to get the ball. That's kind of what his uh, position is. And I'm okay with you wanting more. Um, I think that it's about the discipline. If you're going to want more, I just want you to actually do what you're supposed to do and play within yourself. If you believe in Ime Adoka, like a lot of Rockets fans do, you have to think that he can kind of keep that under wraps. Uh, but I want to say that with a grain of salt because I do think that their um, coach in Memphis did a really great job. They weren't one of the best teams for no reason. So the offense scares me a little bit. Um, as long as he can like properly fall in line where he needs to fall in line, and that doesn't mean he has to stand in the corner and beat P.J. Tucker all the time. You know, maybe if you're good at cuts, um, backdoor cuts, you know, you can do that or whatever. But I think I can see the vision. I can see the vision. I can see why they want him. We don't have a culture here, in my opinion, with uh, a young team. I think he can kind of set that. My only hesitation is I do not want him to be the most veteran player on our team. And, and this is why I really wanted Brooke Lopez. Um, I do I do have a little concerns about, like, if he's the person who's going to be the emotional leader 100% of the time and tell the guys what to do. Because I think when you have a person who's an agitator, you better have somebody who can kind of be good cop, bad cop, who can reel them in a little bit. Um, but I'm okay with it for the Rockets. I don't like it for J-Dub, but for the Rockets, I, I get the vision. And just because I don't like a signing does not mean it's a bad signing. Thank you. I'm happy to say that. Well, I'm kind of I don't like it. Uh, I don't, I'm not even. I'm not even going sugarcoat. I do not like this. Y'all did. Y'all did a pretty good job. Of, I was for a second. I was almost like, you know what, man, that, that little breaks guy may not be that bad. He wasn't thinking. But, that. but then I start thinking about where I'm sitting in the chair. I'm sitting in right now. My laptop right here. Um, and what was it maybe like June or May of 2022? I'm watching uh, the Grizzlies play the Warriors without John Morant. I'm sitting in this chair and I'm watching him. I'm like stop shooting so y'all can win this game and he can't y'all know i don't i don't like the warriors so i was i was a grizzlies fan that day i wanted them to lose i was like rooting really hard for the grizzlies to find a way to sneak out this win without john Morant. and i'm sitting there and i'm begging this guy from my home stop shooting because you're hurting your team right now and then i watched him do it again um i forgot what game was he did it again and i watched him do some of it last year and so i'm like my problem with jillian brooks is I think everything you said about him defensively is right. He's going to be come in and be the best defender of this team from day one. He's a great defender. I think he like, didn't he make an all defensive team this year. Second. Like, yeah. So he's a he's a great defender. Do not get me wrong, um, but that defense does not outweigh um, what he's what he's done. Like like Brad, I ain't gonna lie. Your, your biggest the biggest thing you said that the, I went and looked it up was the um, the report. It was on May third where he turned down an extension 
for Memphis because he's looking for a bigger role than the three and D one he's been playing in Memphis. Yeah, absolutely not. Like if that's what you want to do, bro, stay away. Uh, what did what did just say about uh, uh okay, uh, well, Harrison Barnes to sign a three year yeah, contract? Uh, okay, that's well, a that's, Rockets target is off the market now. Three years, fifty four million dollars to to stay with the Kings. That's unfortunate. I would have, I think I might have gave him more than that. Um, but uh, yeah, man. Um, no, nah, bro, heck no. If Dylan Brooks is trying to play a bigger role, bro, absolutely not because that's that's not who he is, and we we've seen it. One of my favorite people, we have to get him on the show. One of my favorite people on all of Rockets Twitter, he has a catchphrase. OG, his catchphrase is when people show you who they are, believe them. And Bill and Brooks has shown us for two years now who he is. He doesn't want to come, you know, come play a role. Uh, that my biggest, you know, my biggest question, because my, my biggest gripe with, with Dylan Brooks is I do not believe he's capable of playing it, or else I don't think he wants to. And I I know some people believe that Udoka can get him to do that. And if you think he can, then I understand why you want to sign him. Um, or I I said a little bit more. I probably would still disagree, but I I can at least see where you're coming from. I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because he's not coming from the Steven Silas Houston Rockets where people were out there just kind of doing whatever they wanted to do. There was no structure. There was no vets. There was no, you know what I'm saying? You, you were in a, a situation where Jay Sean Tate could put up 20 shots a night if, he, if Jay Sean Tate wanted to, right? That's not what the Grizzlies were. That's a good team. That's a well-ran organization. They were able to, to win playoff games um, without their best player. That's a good team. Right, they have all stars and 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 John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, Desmond Baines, a really good NBA player. He's going to be, you know, uh, especially on this new CBA. It wouldn't surprise me if he makes an All NBA team one day. Right, that's a, that's a really good player. Um, and despite that, that guy and, and I'll, let me also highlight Taylor Jenkins. I think Taylor Jenkins is another great head coach. Like he's another guy who, um, when the Rockets fired Steven Silas, if he was on the market, I, he would have been on my like top coaches. I would have wanted him in Houston. Um, so that's a, that's a great head coach, a great organization. And despite that, Dylan Brooks couldn't find a way to play a role for them, even though he was shooting him out of playoff games and and him him chirping. And I think what Jed was talking about with him chirping in the media and then not backing it up like that's hurting them. And he's still doing it. Um, and so I trust Udoka, And I think Udoka might be more of a disciplinarian than a Taylor Jenkins. Taylor Jenkins isn't a joke. Right. The, they have vets over there in Memphis and he was still doing what he was doing. Um, and so, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I don't see why he's going to come to Houston and play a role for Jalen Green and Alperin Shingoon when he didn't want to play that role for John Morant and Jerry Nixon Jr. And then he's also telling us, hey, I want a bigger role. Um, and then, you know, for me, it's also just the fact that he's not really a, a floor spacer, right? We have a bunch of guys on our team who are low IQ guys who can't shoot. We got a bunch of those. I, I, I want someone who, like, if, if, we're, if we're signing, you know, um, Dylan Bricks, where is our shooting coming from this offseason? Because that was one of – if not the biggest like issue with this roster last season was that we did not have, we had a bunch of guys who were athletic and could run and jump, but we don't have nobody who can like, Jed Green has no space. Shinkun has no space. Um, and I, I I don't know where that's going to come from if Dylan Brooks has the reputation of a non-shooter and people aren't guarding him. Um, and then he's like I said, he's not a super high IQ guy where you can kind of like use the, like how Draymond doesn't get guarded. He's, he's high IQ. So you, you can use the fact that Draymond is not being guarded. It's like an advantage. I don't think you can do that with Dylan Brooks. Um, and so, yeah, bro, like I'm, I'm good. I, I, um, I know people, a lot of people who were really on the Dylan Brooks train say that they want him because we're a bad defense and, and that we are. Um, but the point I've been trying to push is that I wonder, or not wonder, the question, I guess it's, it's a hypothetical question, but how much of our defensive issues last season were because we lacked the personnel to play good defense 
and how much of it was because guys just weren't trying. And I, I think it's a, a lot of it is with a lot. I think you have guys, especially you bringing in Amin Thompson and a Fred Van Vliet who were, uh, Amin Thompson's a pretty good defender. Fred Van Vliet's a pretty good defender. You got Jabari, you got Tari. Um, we're talking about, you know, we're gonna talk about Brooke Lopez. That's another guy who's pretty good defensively. Who knows what they do with the rest of this roster. Um, I, and I, I think I think guys like uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, who were one of, I think, our worst defenders last season, I think those guys have the ability, especially KPJ, I think he has the ability to play good defense when he's engaged and locked in. And I think that under Ime Udoka, we're going to see them play a whole lot of different schemes. Um, and we know he's going to demand excellence from these guys on a night-to-night basis. So I do believe that we're going to see the team defense as a whole um, increase. I don't, you don't need, like, uh, a D-point-level defender on your roster to play good defense. And that, look no further than – um, well, I'll tell you about you don't need you don't need nothing but deep point level defenders. That's what I meant to say. Because you look at the Chicago Bulls and they started Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Vucevic, and were a top ten defense because of Alex Caruso, right? So I, I think that you just need guys who can uh, who can buy into your system and, and give effort on that end. And I think we have those guys. And so I, I do agree that Dylan Brooks would make us a better defensive team. I think it would be very difficult to score on us, and not just score on us, but I think it would be really beneficial for Jalen Green to have a guy like that to go against every day in practice. But when you factor in what all he's like, he, he might switch out the game one day, right? He, or, he, you know, he may not provide spacing or, you know, he allegedly wants a bigger role. That's why I'm just like, man, keep that guy away. I don't want him. Um, but with that being said, I think he's the most likely guy we're going to talk about is going to be a rocket. Like, I, I think that Fridge is going to head in 30 minutes and we're going to see a deal um, of him to Houston. So I think I think what I get might, used to it. What might make ner- uh, Rockets fans a little nervous is um, Trevor Reza when he first came here the first time, not the second time. He was a three and D wing, um, and the Rockets tried to have him do more, and he was not good at it. Right? Um, I think at that time the Rockets signed him to kind of be the guy, and it made his first tenure here look really bad. He simply was not capable of it. He tried. It was sloppy. It was clunky. I don't think this is that situation. Uh, I think that they might give him the opportunity to do more. I don't think he was signed here unless either he had no options or they're going to let him do a little bit more. I'm willing to see how it looks. But you need to find that threshold when you got you have to stop if it's not working. And I think we kind of have that sort of talent on our roster and the sort of head coach that will kind of rein it back in, or at least we hope so. Brad really made me nervous when I first heard that statement. But after thinking about it more, I'm not as down on it. I mean, obviously, Mikhail Bridges was a 3 and D guy who actually was able to do way more when he got the opportunity. I don't think that Dylan Brooks has that sort of skill set. I'm willing to see, but I need it to be a short leash. And uh, we have a storyline for next season, so let's see how that turns out. I'm looking at it, and um, he shot – the highest he shot from three was 37 38% if you round up. Um, that was his second season in me, but that was also on two attempts. So it wasn't that high a volume. Um, but then the two seasons following that on pretty much six attempts, he shot 36% and 34%, which like the 36 is, that's that's, that's pretty solid. And 34 isn't great, but it's not bad. The, the two seasons following that is 31 and 30, uh, 33. So that's kind of a little bit more on the not so good end. Um, so I, I guess like he has the, if that if he reverted to a thirty six percent shooter like he was, that was what four seasons ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can start seeing the vision a little bit more because then you could, you know, he can at least space the floor for your Jalen's and for your your Amens. Like I, I that, that I forget we didn't even mention Amon Thompson, who's like who's going to need spacing, and we're talking about bringing somebody right now who um is not really doing that. So, um, 
if I, I guess where I'm at is if you trust Udoka to just completely be, we've been using the flex seal analogy, just fix every issue on this team. Then I guess I can see why, but I think Udoka is human. And there's, you know, I think Dylan Brooks is showing you who he is. And so I, I, I am, I'm good on Dylan, but I, like I said, I think he's going to be, I think he's the guy who's for sure going to be a rocket this time tomorrow. So it is what it is. Yeah. Last thing I'll say before we kick it to the next conversation and, and I'll get us in the next conversation. But um, Dylan Brooks, we are a Ben Sullivan masterclass away from that being an A-plus <laughs> signing. And I know Ben Sullivan's got his hands full with Armin Thompson, Dylan Brooks, even Jabari. So it's going to be yeah, you and, Sh- and Shangu. They got a lot of guys. And I'm in. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got a lot of people that to work with. So, yeah, let's keep him in a room with Armin and Dylan for now. Then we'll go from there. <laughs> but outside of that, um, we have an interesting conversation to, to have. If they sign Brooke Lopez – you're going to have him and Alperen Sengun at that center position. Who's going to start? Um, it, it, from from an outsider looking in, you have to say, oh, well, of course, Brooke Lopez is going to start. But, you know, from a Rockets standpoint, we see this young kid come in. Um, he, he's earned his starting position, and he's shown time and time again when the offense is ran through him, he's going to excel. And he actually turns that Rockets offense into a plus. And he has untapped potential on the offensive side of the ball, and he, he has earned the right to a sense to, to kind of see that through. But when it comes to bringing in an all-defensive guy like Brooke Lopez, who's one of the best paint defenders in the NBA, contested the most two-point shots in the league last season, saved the most points at the rim last season, and he's also shooting from three, shot 41.9% from the corner last season, 38.1% on um, catch-and-shoot threes, also shot 37.3% from three as a whole. Y'all can fact-check those for me, please. But that's a guy that's pretty insane as a center. So he's going to come in and make an impact off rip, especially if they bring those other two guys on the defensive side of the ball. So where I stand with it, I personally would still start Alperen Sengu, and that's your guy for the for the future. And all these other guys are coming on two-year deals to kind of set the tone for this young core to get them in the right step, you know, going forward. Um, it's hard to bring a guy like Brooke Lopez on the bench. I'm going to tell you guys right now. Alperen Sengu, and I'd say hypothetically 28 minutes, 30 minutes. But I could see the Rockets saying, hey, you know, Sengu is not playing the best defense right now. Let's throw in. Brooke Lopez late to close these games. That's something I can see happening. That's something I say I necessarily want, but I can see that happening. It's it's logical. You want to you want to clamp down the stretch. But Albert Shangun has so much potential, and I know he's going to thrive under a guy like Udoka, who sees what he's capable of. Even called him a baby Jokic. He doesn't hate um, Albert Shangun because he wants a center that's different than him. He wants a guy who's going to be an interior defender. Um, you know, I love Albert Shangun, but you can't sit here and act like he's just some lockdown defender now. Um, he's got to get to a good standpoint defensively. He's not quite there yet. He was used wrong last season playing a lot of drop coverage. That wasn't his game. We don't say he's not going to put him in drop coverage now. So we got to see how he looks next year. I think he'll look better uh, with a coach who understands that um, that's not his you know, skill set playing drop. But again, Brooke Lopez, nine-day difference defensively. And we'll see what they do with the minutes distribution if they bring in Brooke Lopez. But I personally would still start out for Shangu. I understand that doesn't happen. It makes sense. And Shangu might win out. He might not be happy. But, Dub, what do you think on that front? So, already, already know me uh, and Wheeler are going to conflict on this one. It's, it's funny. Me, me and Brad are pretty aligned on a lot of these situations. Um, I, he's my top uh, my top target for the Rockets. Um, I think if you watch the Rockets a lot, our defense was not good. And one thing that was really bad is the lack of interior presence. Um, if you look at most of the teams that actually excelled in the playoffs, not all of them, but a lot of them had um, rim protectors. And you can see that it works wonders when you can actually protect the rim, not only for your team defense, but it also really helps the progression of your perimeter defenders. 
Um, he was second in the year, I mean, second in the votes last year in defensive player of the year at the age of 35, which I think is pretty significant. I don't think his defense is going to fall off whatsoever. Um, and I also think that he has the ability to stretch the floor. Like Brad said, he shot uh, over 37% from three, and that was on over four attempts a game, right? So we're not just talking about like one or two attempts. And he shot, he shot really well for his career. He is 35. He will turn 36 in the season next season. He has played 946 games, and he has started over 900 of those. I don't think if he comes here, he's coming off the bench. And I know that's going to be the first thing that's going to make a lot of Rockets fans upset. Um, to me, I don't mind. I think our young guys have been given a lot of opportunities and given roles, albeit in a terrible situation. I think if you want to succeed in the NBA, you have to learn how to compete for your role and your spot. Um, I do not think he's going to come here and somehow slice into Shingun's minutes in a substantial way. I also think uh, a guy who openly just stated, if I was correct yesterday, that he wants to help young guys learn and develop. He's a guy who has um, held several camps in his area of Seattle, including camps that Jalen Green has went to. He is a teacher. He is a leader um, on a team that actually had Giannis, Drew Holiday, Middleton, amongst other veterans. He was the leader on that team. You could know that from behind the scenes, and you could watch the games and see it. He's always talking. He's always correcting. Um, I don't think he would come here and obstruct Alp. I think he would actually help him. I think that he, Brooke Lopez knows I'm 36 or about to be 36. I'm not going to play forever. I, I think he has no desire to stunt the growth of Alperen Shingun. Alperen Shingun has also stated that he wants to be pushed by his coach. He wants to be treated like a true professional. And part of growth is having somebody who's going to push you on the court sometime for your role. And I personally think that Brooke Lopez being here would not only help the Rockets, it would help Alperen Shingun. Does that mean Operation Shimkun comes off the bench? We'll have to see. They're not a great fit together, but I could see them starting in a lineup together, even if that means one of them comes off the floor immediately. Similar to when we had Chris Paul and James Harden, normally that first time out or the first dead ball, one of them will come out. So you're kind of staggering their minutes. Um, I love Shingun. I, I think I had Shingun rated higher on my draft board than anybody I know on Rockets Twitter before the draft. Um, I want to see him succeed. I want Brooke Lopez here because I want to see Operation Shingun succeed, not because I want to see Operation Shingun uh, push back. Will has stated a couple of times that he has some concerns that perhaps if we signed a starting level center, and there's also been some reports that Shingun's camp would not be happy. Uh, I'm definitely old school where I, where I believe in man up. Uh, if, if y'all want to be successful, if you really want to reach these heights that you're speaking of, you're going to have people push you. And so I'm all for him coming here. I don't really care if that means Shingun starts if he comes off the bench, as long as Shingun is still getting his minutes and opportunities. We've also seen our new head coach come from Boston, where they had two centers. They, well, they really had three often, but they played two heavy minutes, and that's Al Horford and that's Robert Williams, right? You have to have versatility. You have to have some offense. You have to have some grit, right? And you also have to have some rim protection. It never looked like Al Horford was phased out. It never looked like Robert Williams was phased out when healthy. They, were, they played towards team success. So I want him here. I, I think stretching the floor, as Will said when we talked about Dylan Brooks. Brooke Lopez stretches the floor. He shoots that three pretty well, right? And having a center who can actually be interior on defense and play on the perimeter on offense is pretty significant, right? Um, so I'm for this, and that's because I am a Shingoon fan, and that's because I am a Rockets fan. 
if Shingun cannot take the situation, I kind of don't want a person on my team who can't take the fire. Again, Shingun, your future isn't threatened with a guy who's turning 36 next year. So, like, man up compete, and I just kind of want to see him fight for it. That's me personally. I want to see every single player on this team fight for it. Um, if I'm if I'm the Rockets, I'm, I'm willing to overpay for him. There's no other center like him on the market. And and one thing about free agency, that is an asset where you can add players without trading any sort of draft pick or player. Sure, we can probably get another center on the market if we trade. I don't want to have to use a draft pick to do so. And I don't want to have to use a young player to do so. I know that, we, well, we don't know if, if money is a priority for Lopez or not. So we don't know if he would choose this situation over the Bucks. Me personally, I would not leave the Bucks to come to the Rockets as long as the money is competitive. However, I would I would overpay him. If uh, ESPN pretty much had a graphic where they had the expected salaries for a lot of players, they had Brooke Lopez at 15, Bobby Marks pushed it up to 20 due to the fact he's the only center of his kind on the market. If I'm the Rockets, I w- I'm willing to go to 25. Uh, I don't even care if it's 26 for two years. So I want us to get him here. Uh, I would prioritize him over Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Vliet. And yes, I know that the Turkish fans probably won't like the fact that, that I'm saying I don't really care if Shingun starts or not, because I think Shingun is starting in a year or two, no matter what. And this will help him become a better defender. Shingun gets a little, a little lazy with his post defense. He reaches a lot, does not um, keep his feet work. I mean, his footwork going uh, really well. I think for a guy who's also not swift on his feet, Brooke Lopez is really good at the discipline of that, of going straight up and down, of not getting pushed back. And I think that matters. And so, um, yeah, I'm all for Brooke Lopez. You cannot talk me off of this one. I don't care what the money is. And if the guys have to go to the bench for a small period of time, so be it. Whatever it takes to make this team better. I think that – I lie somewhere like in between what what Zeb is saying. Um, I agree. Like Brooke Lopez is probably my top free agent target. Now it's conditional, but but like he, he is for sure the guy who I want the most this uh this offseason. Um I think that having I think he provides a extremely unique skill set that you cannot find in I mean, he might be the only guy in the NBA who can who can do what he does, right? He's a, a deep point level defender for his position, um, and he can space the floor. I don't think you can name, like I said, he might be the only guy in the NBA who can do that. Um, and so like from just from that alone, especially you're talking about a team with, with Amon Thompson and Jalen Green, who are going to benefit from having a stretch big. Um, like I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I, I, I love, I, I love that. And like I said, unlike the, the Fred and elites of the world, there isn't, you know, an alternative from both a free agent or a trade standpoint, like, once Brooke Lopez goes, it's Jakob Pertle. And then once he goes, it's, you know, it starts getting really bad. And I think Jakob's on is staying in Toronto. I don't think they're gonna let that guy go. Um, and so I I think if you strike out on Brooke, I mean, we might see uh, a Dwayne Detman, a Mo Bamba, like something like that. And I don't think anybody is really excited for for that. Dwight Powell's on the name has been kind of floated out there, which I know Mass fans don't really like that it's guy. Like yeah, like it starts getting real, real iffy once you miss out on Brooke Lopez. So I agree. He's my top target. But where I do push back a little bit is I want to evaluate Alvin Shingo. And this is coming from someone who's like, I, I'm admittedly not the highest on Shingo. Like, matter of fact, I think everybody here, I'm, I'd even be the lowest on him. Um, I I, um, I think he can be a good player. I think, I think he can be a great player. Um, but I think there's also a world where he's not. And 
I just want to know who he is. Um, I think that through his two seasons in the NBA, he's not been given an opportunity to show us who he is. Whereas, you know, guys like Jalen and Jabari have, and he's done more in my, especially last season, Shingun did more with less opportunity and less of a leash and, and less of, you know, less faith from his coach than I think anybody on this roster did. And I think that, you know, not only did he do more, like he was in a, on a team full of negatives, he was a positive, right? Like he was one of, if not the only positive on a team full of negatives. Um, and so I'm looking at him find ways to impact and succeed on a team that has a directive to lose games. And, you know, there's no spacing. You're running a bunch of 20 year olds on your bench unit, some of which, you know, they actually got cut today. That was somebody who was playing, you know, 20 minutes a night for us, right? Um, you look, he was finding a way to succeed in that. I want to see what, and on top of that, I didn't even mention this, under a coach who, like, Sam Vecini, uh, he has a quote from his podcast that I really like where he said he believes Shingun is the most misused player in the entire association. I, I tend to agree with that. I think he was misused a lot last year. And so now you're going to have a situation where Shingun is going to be under a new coach who's already, like, in his brief time, has already made remarks on how on he how he plans to better use Shingun next season. Um, you're going to have a directive to win. You're going to bring in a lot more vets, a lot more guys who are – uh, going to be conducive to winning and conducive to benefiting from Shingun's play style. Um, I think that guy is a borderline all-star, like, in the making. Um, or maybe he's not. And all I want to know is I want to know if he is that guy. Are you an all-star? Are you not? Are you, are you somebody? Because because I think with Shingun, too, it's like if he is the guy that you intend to build around, you need to know that. Because building around his archetype is not easy. That's not going to be easy at all. Um and so I feel like you need to know. So when you can start making those preparations, you can start making the decisions um, that are going to need to build around a guy that archetype. Um, and then, like I said, let's say he's not that guy. Let's say that you give him an opportunity, and yeah, he was finding a way to succeed under Silas. But you know, here here we go under Udoka, under under structure, under vets. He can't do it. Well, at least now you know. Now you know. Hey, don't waste no more time, no more resources. You know, trying to make make a square peg fit in a round hole. It's not going to work. Um, and even if you even if you give him an opportunity and then you decide, even though you, you succeeded, that I don't want to employ you any further, you've done yourself a favor by just boosting your asset. Now you're looking at like a, a um a, a Indiana Sabon situation where you can trade that guy for another guy who maybe makes a lot more sense for your team or your for your timeline. Who knows, right? Um, so yeah, that's that's what it is. And I, I my fear is I think that I do think that Brooke Lopez is coming here and I think he's gonna start. I don't think he's coming off the bench. Um and I understand the whole earn your stay, earn your keep. Um, one, I think that Shingun like kind of has in, in terms of uh, of what he did last year. Like I said, I, I think that guy was done. If anyone has earned their right to have their position locked up next season, at least for next season, I think it was him. Um, and then my my fear is is if it was just as simple as Shingun come off the bench until you take it from Lopez. I could probably get behind it. But my fear is, is not that Udoka is going to be stubborn, but what if Udoka just wants the that type of archetype at the five? Which, which like, it, being completely honest, if I was him, I would too. I would not. I, I was Coach Udoka. If, 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 if you told me to, to make a team for the guys who I want to play for for me, they don't like Shingun. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I would, if I was him, I'd probably do the same thing. I would probably still have um, Brooke Lopez starting and closing and, you know, it doesn't matter how good Shingun is that archetype. Like, I'd rather have, you know, we get into arguments all day. I wouldn't, I don't want Sabonis on my team if I was building it, right? I I, I want to I wanna represent them in my five. So it doesn't matter how good Sabonis is. 
Um, give me, give me the guy who's going to do what I want at that five position. And that's, that's my fear with Shingo. And it's like, he may never get the opportunity because he'll never be the archetype that we want at the five. Um, and, and then I, I, I want to address the last thing I'll say is the, the playing Shingon and Lopez. I know some people think that those guys can play together. I think that's a terrible idea. Like I, I, I would, I wouldn't absolutely not play Shingon at the four and Lopez at the five. If, if, um, especially like with Jabari at the three, I love Jabari, but that guy ain't ready to play the three just yet. He's, he's not moving lot of quick enough for that. Um, and I think just defensively, I think, I think defensively and maybe, maybe even offensively, like Lopez and Shingo stinks in the front court. Um, like I, I, I've said it and argued for Lopez to come off the bench. If my two options are Lopez, I mean, start and Shingo come off the bench or both of them play together, give me the first. I want Shingo to come. I do not want them playing together at all next season. Um, and so I, I, I think one of them has to come off the bench when you sign them. And I just would really, really prefer if that person came off the bench was Lopez. Uh, like I said, like JW, if it's if it's Shingo earns it and he starts uh, close shut case, just if you earn it, it's yours. All right, I'm cool. But my fear is I don't think that's what it's going to be. I think that it's going to be we want we want Lopez because he can space the floor and he can be he can provide deeper level defense, which are two things that I don't think Shingo's going to ever be able to do, at least not next season. I think my only concern about what you're saying is this: I need to know, I need to know what sort of minutes do you think Shingo's going to get reduced to, right? Because like. To, to me, I think starting is a little bit overrated, right? I, I know players want it, and I know you, you want to put your best lineup out there. But I don't think anybody thinks that Brooke Lopez is going to significantly reduce Shingun's minutes, which means you're still going to get to see Shingun play against the starters on the other team, the bench on the other team. You're going to see him in high-level situations. I, I don't – I feel like what you need is you need game film. You need opportunity, and you need footage. I don't think that Brooke Lopez is going to take away from that. So I think that anything you need to see, you're still going to see. If you don't see it in the first 35 seconds of a game versus four minutes and 56 seconds of a game, I don't think that matters quite as much. And I also don't think it's going to be like a full phase out. So like I feel like you're still going to be able to see it. And I also don't think that Raphael Stone is going to be a guy who's going to let this guy who he traded up for be phased out by a guy who's going to be 36, right? Um, I think we, it, we, have, we don't have a huge sample size of what uh, Udoka likes to do. But he never really just pushed away Horford for Robert Williams. I also think that, like, there are certain things that Shingun just has to get better at if he's going to be a high-level starter in this league and for us. I think some of that stuff is, and we've said it last year, right? I listen to y'all's podcast a lot. He has to develop an outside shot. He's going to have to learn how to not be a liability when they switch to him on perimeter and attack and hunt him down, right? He's going to need to learn how to not get pushed back so deep inside the paint. I think while he's getting to learn this, we have a guy who actually can do that as well. I just don't think it phases him out. I don't think you're phasing out the opportunities to see what he can do. And maybe that's just the one part that I don't, I don't understand. Oftentimes on Rockets Twitter, when we have conversations, I think people think the starters are the ones who are going to play 40 minutes and everybody else is going to play eight. And I don't think that's the way it, it works. So I just don't understand where the lack of opportunity is going to come from. We're still going to get a sample size, and, and we're going to get on-the-job training while we do this. While Lopez is on the team, Lopez is going to be working with him in every single practice. You can't just get that from Hakeem Olajuwon, right? When, uh, he's going to be, look, hey, I'm going to show you this when I come to the bench. Hey, look how I handled this situation. I think that's valuable, and, and I just feel like if we really care more about the development of players rather than just asset management, think you need that uh we walk around a draft party um a lot uh i know i was with brad a lot 
and we spoke to a lot of different uh, former Rocket players, Rocket legends, analysts. And one thing that was very consistent when we asked them, who did they like in the draft? Who did they like in the draft? One thing they always said is it kind of doesn't matter if you don't get the veterans. Go get the veterans because these young guys aren't just going to learn by themselves. So, um, yeah, I, I think Shingo's going to be fine. I think we all got to calm down a little bit. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. Again, we'll, we'll see if they end up getting Brooke. Brooke may stay on that $20 million contract back in Milwaukee. So we'll see if they, what they pivot to, if that's the scenario too. But another thing that's been mentioned today that we found out, you know, Kyrie Irving could potentially be in play for the Rockets um, if they miss out on probably a front of fleet. And even a Kyle Kuzma, it looks like a Chris Haynes reported, um, was, was gaining a lot of steam to come to Houston. You know, two guys, in my opinion, are looking for deals longer than two years, so I wouldn't even call them realistic. But even if they were two-year deals, um, Kyrie Irving, I would be okay with Kyrie on a two-year deal. Again, it's just not going to happen. So it's not something I can really feed into. When it comes to Kyle Kuzma, um, it's a guy who shot 33.3% from three this past season, has, has been kind of slumping when it comes to the three ball. Um, lately, I mean, average 21 and seven, 3.7 assists, uh, but as a whole, um, 54 true shooting percentage as a, as a forward is not the best. And then you got to um, look at his defense, also not the best. So I, I wouldn't advocate for either of those two guys. Uh, Doug, what would you say? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I don't think either one happens. Um, I think these are um, just agent moves to try to ramp up um, what these contracts can be. Nobody in the market has significant cap room except for us. Utah did, but once they did the trade to take in salary, um, they took 25 mil of their salary away. I think that really hurt. There were a couple of teams that kind of hurt their cap a little bit uh, during trades during the draft. And I think the only other team that probably has significant significant cap room is San Antonio. So I think you to get the best contract you can get, you have to leverage the offer versus a team that actually has the money. No team has that but Houston. Uh, I also think this Stone probably does not mind this um, because it also puts you in good favor with the agents. Agents who you'll run across again at some point, right? Uh, whether it be free agency or players on your team. To me, it's a it's a leverage situation. Cal Kuzma, to me, doesn't fit at all. Um, I think he did have his best season last year, but I think it's a um, his skill set doesn't really fit into what we need. Not really a good three pointer like Brad's uh, three point shooter like Brad said. Um, got most of his scoring from the mid-range in the post, which I think is already a little bit um, convoluted, and the defense isn't there. Um, it doesn't really line up what Ime Adoka said. Um, Kyrie Irving, we don't have to say much. We know who Kyrie Irving is. Uh, I think he's going to Dallas. I think he knows he's going to Dallas. The question is, he wants a full max deal for four years, and Dallas has no reason to just give him that, right, outside of him just walking for nothing per se. But I think if Kyrie walks for nothing, he's not getting that money elsewhere. Um, I would not mind Kyrie Irving at all on a one-year deal. Um, he he definitely has made himself seem like a malcontent in certain ways as far as like not showing up. Also, it's a pretty injury-prone player. Um, I, I'm a Duke fan, so I love Kyrie. Um, I would I would not mind him for a year or two. And if you guarantee me that he would actually um, not be flaky as far as playing in games and showing up, I would give him a four-year deal. But you know what? We don't have that guarantee. So, um it's cool. It's a nice headline. We're going to do the little jersey swaps when it comes to them. But I don't think either one of these two are realistic. I'm not really concerned about it. Um, so, yeah, I don't think y'all should put too much energy into it either. And I'm speaking to my Rockets Twitter audience. I agree. What about you? No, I, yeah, I think that's where it is. I think that um, I think it's just agents uh, trying to get their clients paid. Um, we're gonna. I think we're going to be linked to 
almost every free agent for the most part this offseason, especially, you know, in the coming days, um, you know, as free agents kicked off because we have the cap space that we do have. Um, and so I think that the Kyle Kuzma and the, and the uh, Kyrie Irving things, I think those were just things that were thrown out there because they want to get their clients paid. I don't think that either has like any chance of happening. Um, but to what Jadup says, like I talked about it today in the space, if my two options were two years of Fred or two years of Kyrie, I would take two years of Kyrie, but I know that's not going to happen. So um, yeah, I, I don't even pay much attention to it. Yeah. Our last topic today was, you know, I guess some additional guys that the Rockets should target. Um, obviously some names that are coming to mind are going to be Monte Morris and Bruce Brown. Those are two guys that I would mention. Uh, Fred Van Fleet has an option at point guard. Monte Morris is the guy I'm going to try to trade for. Again, really a good assist to turnover ratio, good three-point shot, not a bad defender. Um, again, that's, that's a good option right there at backup point guard, especially if you miss out on Fred Van Fleet. As for a guy like Bruce Brown, obviously just came off that championship um, ring. Um, with the Nuggets, he was a good player for the Pistons. He was also a good player for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, all three fan bases love him. Um, he's going to bring – uh, that energy every single night as, as a player that I would like to see. Um, not a bad three-point shooter either. So Bruce Brown, I mean, it should be around $15 million annually. Um, again, Dylan Brooks looks like the guy, so this probably isn't realistic either, but those would be the two guys I would look to. Uh, what about you, Doug? Um, I think we've we've been linked to almost uh, all the guys who I think we might sign, but there are still some guys who will be there. Um, one thing that I think a lot of Rockets fans may not know is right now as of waving uh, Deshaun – Dacian Knicks, we have $66 million in cap, right? Um, after we spend that, we have a cap room MLE for $7.7 million that we can spend as well. So we do have other avenues to uh, add players there. Um, and I think that the priority there will probably be shooting if we don't sign a big man. Um, and so I think that that's where you really have to look at. I still definitely want like us to take a shot at the restricted free agent guys, which I don't think is going to happen at this point. But like I, I'm pretty in on Austin Reeves and I'm pretty in on Kelm Johnson, but I kind of think our money's just going to be spent elsewhere by the time that that happens. But there are other guys who like, um, I don't mind adding them strictly as a shooter. Right. I don't think they're going to be like great fits as far as the core, but like, you know, these are guys who like the, the Seth Curry's right. Who will be there. Um, I think that you have like guys like maybe like Joe Ingles who might be able to shoot a little bit. Uh, I don't really like Korkmaz, but Korkmaz, but he's actually a good shooter. Right. So I'm kind of looking there. Um, and then you have other guys who I just don't think we're going to go for, but I really wouldn't mind. Like, I'm really big on Bruce Brown. Um, I, I don't really understand fully why we're going for Dylan Brooks over him, but he's a guy who I'm looking at. Uh, I'm pretty sure Rui's going to stay with uh, the Lakers, but that's a guy who I wouldn't mind as well, even though he may not perfectly fit what we need to do here. Um, so, yeah, you, you'll get to that, and everybody else is going to be kind of lower tiers. You may not get excited about In fact, I, will, I would argue that uh, Brad and Will will have a whole another podcast or two before those guys are in the equation. So you'll be able to hear those names more. So I think folks on the big names are uh, what we want. So, I mean, honestly, uh, by the way, I know Cam Reddish got released. Please, let's not do this again, Rockets fans. That's I don't need him now. But, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, Dante DiVincenzo. Again, we've already been uh, uh, connected to him, but that's another guy. So interesting to see how we have. I mean, George Hill is still there, too, but I think we'll be full on point guards at that point. So, yeah, uh, I'm very interested. I'm going to almost reanalyze everything once we use that $66 million to see what that last 7.7 will do. Um, but, yeah, we got to focus on the big fish first before we get to the small fish because we do have a pretty crowded roster. Before Will goes, I want to add on the center front, because Brooke Lopez likely doesn't come back, I want to mention Yaka Proto is a guy 
that would be intriguing. Uh, worked really well with Fred Van Fleet and Peyton Royal last season. Will mentioned it on his Twitter account. I'm sure he's going to bring it up uh, right now. But Yaka Perla is a guy I would, I would be interested in getting. He's probably around $20 million annually. Um, again, Jada mentioned they have a lot of cap space, a lot of different ways they could use that cap space. So Yaka Perla, Fred Van Fleet, and Dylan Brooks will be a free agency. I'd personally be okay with I don't think we get Jakob. I think that guy is like a Toronto Raptor for sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, nah, that wasn't going to bring him up. But I was going to bring up another big, um, not a free agent, but someone who uh, could be on the move and for pretty cheap right now. Um, I heard that the Atlanta Hawks are trying to save some money this offseason. So I would love Clint Capella. I think that's somebody who um, did like that's another guy who could potentially come off the bench behind Alperin Shingun. Um, and he gives you that different dynamic at the five that uh, Yudoka was talking about. He gives you someone who can't protect the rim, who can catch lobs. Like I look at um, a lot of the film with Amin Thompson. I can't think of him for the life of me the the name of the big for OTE. Um, but like a lot of of Amin's assists come from the roller, right? Coming from the big man, the dunker spot, setting the screen, rolling to the basket. Um, and so I think giving him and even like KPJ to when he sent off the bench. Um, a lob threat like Clint Capella would be really cool um, and add like a different dynamic to this team. So that's a name that I really like that, you know, we didn't initially be linked to, but I, I would love for them to try to target if we miss out on a Brooke Lopez. Um, another, I, Brad stole my, my my main guy, which was Bruce Brown. That's the guy who um, I'm kind of disappointed that we don't hear more about coming to Houston because I think he makes a lot of sense on this roster. Um, you talk about you wanted to bring in someone who's a, a proven winner or well, Bruce Brown has won a championship um next to a guy like an Alperin Shingun nevertheless but um I think he's kind of what you would want out of your wing right I mean he's kind of he's a little undersized but it doesn't really bother me that much um he can shoot he can guard multiple positions and I think he's someone who's uh who's very high IQ for his role um and so like the, that checks off all the boxes for what this Rockets team needs this offseason we needed some IQ we needed some, some spacing and some defensive versatility. And I think he provides all three of those things. Um, and then speaking of those three things as well, uh, another name that like may not even be available at this point in time because Chicago did just resign Nikola Vucevic. They might be gearing up to to run it back with that core, which I, I think is a mistake. But uh, Alex Caruso, that's a, that's a guy who uh, me and um, DeAndre on Twitter we've been talking about a lot. I would kill for Alex Caruso, even even though it's gonna it's gonna be kind of weird fitting him on this team. You know, if you sign a Fred Van Vliet and you got Amon Thompson, Jalen, KPJ, like that's four guards right there, and Caruso's a guard, I don't really care, man. I I, I would love Caruso on this team. I, I think that he has – like I, I think he, he'd arguably be the best free agent we signed outside of a Brick Lopez. Or not free agent, uh, best offseason acquired outside of Brick Lopez. Um, deep play, level defense, um, super versatile, super smart, Um yeah, like just go look at all those defensive metrics. He's at the top of all of them. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a guy who you know. So we haven't necessarily been linked to, but I would love to see on a Houston Rocket in a Houston Rockets jersey next season. I'm still I'm still checking on the Trey Jones situation. Uh, sorry about that. I'm still checking on this Trey Jones situation. Um, Tyus Jones. I mean Tyus Jones. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, he and Dylan Brooks have really good chemistry. Um, they they were kind of. I love him. Yeah, they were kind of kind of like buddies on. on uh, if you see the dancing videos, who's at the front of all of those two? It's those two. So uh, I'm definitely checking in on that today before I make any sort of official offer tomorrow. But yeah, besides that, it's it's the names that y'all put out there. So I'm pretty excited to see what we do. I, I do think we're going to probably have one surprise. That we're I think we are too. Yeah. It, and, it's, it's always that way where it's always one guy you never thought 
absolutely. And, and I think that person might come via trade or might come for, uh, uh, maybe signing, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, if you guys had nothing else to add, I'm good. Yeah, that was a very informative episode. Um, very informative. It's going to be interesting to see. It's definitely, it's never all going to be exactly how it's planned out to be, I'd assume. I'd be surprised that does turn out that way. So that's a good point that you mentioned. Probably is going to see a surprise. But we'll see how it plays out. You know, Will and I are going to become more episodes. You know, next few days, we're going to be breaking down all the stuff that's happening. So if you're still tuned in, you're a real, real support. We appreciate you guys. Uh, make sure you hit that sub button if you haven't already. And, you know, for myself, again, you know where to find me, Brad NBA, Instagram, Twitter. I'll have y'all cover the entire offseason and during the season as well. Doug, we want to thank you again for coming on the show. We enjoyed the insight for the people, again, who miss it at the beginning. Go ahead and plug your stuff or maybe some stuff to look forward to. Yeah, so, again, I'm uh, at the mind of J-Dub on all um, social media platforms. Um, And, again, check in with us on Twitter spaces. Um, And, again, support support these guys, man. I think Brad and Will do uh, great work. Uh, they've been doing great work. They're getting better and better. So I'll, I'll let y'all know as um, supporters and actual friends that I'm very proud of y'all. But y'all tap in with us, man. Um, and, and let's enjoy. Let's enjoy. Be stressed out together as a Rockets family. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. And you can always find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bias Houston. Like I said, we appreciate the guys uh, for the support you've been showing to the channel, um, to the page. And Dub, as always, we appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we'll see you guys next time. Hopefully, uh, with some with some more rockets on the team when when that Thanks. happens. So, yeah, yeah. see y'all.